Hello, you're listening to Just Screen It, Case Studies in Creative Distribution. I am your host, Colin Stryker, and I am not an expert in creative or self-distribution. I'm an independent filmmaker working towards making my first narrative feature, uh, a horror film entitled The Grove. As I've been contemplating my own eventual distribution strategy, I've become fascinated with the notion of self-distribution, but I've found that it's really hard with all the information that's out there to uh, really get a good idea of how it's worked for people. So I decided to start this podcast to help capture some of the experiences of those who have already been through it, uh, whether successful or otherwise, and from those experiences, help both listeners and myself better understand this really complex, crazy landscape of independent film distribution today. So each week, I'll be bringing on a filmmaker who has self-distributed or used creative or non-traditional methods to distribute their film. Uh, my hope is that future filmmakers can take the knowledge gleaned from this show and use it to make their own decisions on how to best distribute their films. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12. Uh, this is a pretty cool one I have for you today. Uh, during the early days of COVID, Jack McDermott and Ethan Gomez-Zonley made a horror feature called Satan's Servant while they were still in high school. Uh, from a small, informal crowdfunding campaign, Jack and Ethan raised enough money to shoot the film uh, while making full use of their available resources, uh, their own homes, their friends, their families, that kind of thing. Uh, informed partly by some experience they had already gained with several shorts, they distributed to online streaming platforms, found some unexpected viral interest, and did particularly well on Tubi, which I think is becoming more and more of a common story. Uh, eventually, they went on to recoup the film's modest budget which is pretty cool. Uh, Jack and Ethan's story is a solid study in how small films can achieve success on streaming platforms and uh, perhaps set the stage for bigger films in the future. These guys certainly seem to have a bright future ahead. I'm excited to bring you this one-of-a-kind interview. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Jack McDermott and Ethan Gomez-Zonley. All right, cool. Ethan and Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Good to see you. So yeah, why don't we just start out, go ahead and just give some background information, like how you guys got into filmmaking and then uh, leading up to, I guess, making Satan's Servant. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk, we'll get into distribution after that. Sure. Yeah. Whoever yeah, wants I, to I start. To start. <laughs> I can start and then sort of sure. rope Ethan into it. All right. So I started doing filmmaking in like middle school as part of like, we had like a thesis project in middle school. It was like a weird private school thing. But we had to do a thesis project, and it was basically me and my friend Sean decided to make a short film together. He was, like, really into the music side, so he made the score and, like, acted in it, and I was directing it. And we just had a really good time making it and decided to, like, from there, continue making short films. And we sort of gathered up, like, a crew of just, like, friends who would help out, like, on the afternoons filming stuff together, even though none of them were, like, super interested in film. And then... We like started a YouTube channel and from there in high school, I met Ethan who had his own sort of like film background and we sort of bonded um, over our shared love of film. Cool. If, if you don't mind my asking, like where, where was that high school? Where were you? We went to El Cerrito high school. It's in like the East Bay area. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you want to go from there, Ethan. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I met Jack. I think we had like PD together. <laughs> um and then he kind of wrote me into his like kind of short film group i had done some short film stuff with some of my friends at my, at my middle school and then we just kind of merged groups and just kept making a bunch of re really fun stuff but it got kind of 
it got a little more serious once March 2020 and COVID hit. Oh, and all boy, of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, we're stuck at home and had nothing to do, and it kind of uh, impended a lot of short film plans. And yeah. so, I think it was Sean's idea, right, Jack? Yeah, we'd sort of been talking about like taking on a bigger project for a while because, like, we'd made like this like web series thing that was like a bit longer, but we really wanted. We're like, we could do that. That's like 60 minutes total. We might as well try making a feature one day. Mm -hmm. And so we've been talking about it. And then once COVID hit, like we had no schoolwork at all. And so we had a ton of new free time on our hands. And so I was like, hmm, I'm stuck at home. What if I wrote like a horror movie that we could film like with all the stuff that like me and Ethan have access to? And so there's like a few months spent writing that. And then we did a ton of pre-production and we were basically just like waiting for like the COVID restrictions to be like loose enough that we could get the production off. And so we had to push it back. But then eventually in spring of 2021, we were able to film it. And um, that was our senior year of high school. And so from there, we we didn't really intend it to like be much like we just wanted to like sort of like put it out we'd been distributing our short films on amazon through prime video direct before that and we we're like we'll just do the same thing with this one you know it'll be a hit in like our local area and that's about it yeah you think you seem like you want to say something yeah <laughs> oh yeah i just wanted to add on like we because of covid they gave us like i think a basically a whole entire year for pre-production because mm-hmm. we just like we had planned to film it in like a few months but then we kept having the restrictions like didn't lift. And so we just kept having to push it back. And so it gave us more time to prepare. And it ended up being good for us because by the time we actually got on set, we were really ready. And uh, all of our actors were like, you know, had the script basically memorized even better than both of us to <laughs> at, at some point, which is funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun experience. We fundraised some money online for it because we kind of we wanted to just keep it relatively low budget because it was just kind of a community thing. We just like mm-hmm. making short films for our friends and family to see. So did but you do we, like crowdfunding or some other mechanism? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we did uh, some crowdfunding on our website. We okay. had we didn't do it through like a specific service, but we raised I want to say twenty five hundred. It was really small yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was a super janky crowdfunding campaign like we just had like a yeah. page on our website that was like you venmo us this much money and we'll give you these perks we promise like <laughs> it was super informal yeah. but it worked for like the scale we were going for because yeah 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 i mean there's no reason to get like super ambitious at that point if you're just like you're just kind of starting out and having fun and seeing what you can do then it makes total sense to just yeah you know yeah just play it, take it easy you know yeah. Um, did you get, did you raise the money that you wanted to raise pretty easily or? Yeah. Like we basically yeah, were I able think to we raise only wanted like a thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. That was our original like, we, we only wanted yeah. a little bit, but right. then we like completely surpassed it. So yeah, it's a lot more mm-hmm. freedom. Which is cool. That's cool. Did you get, I mean, did it end up being mostly like family and friends, people you knew, or did you actually manage to raise some money from strangers, and, you know, people across the country, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, at that point, basically, our whole audience was like family and friends. So we were going yeah. hard for like the family and friends audience yeah. um, and just like whoever we could find on social media. But that's sort of why we didn't feel the need to do like a bigger like Indiegogo or Kickstarter at that time. It's just because we were going hard for that audience and it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, were you like 
giving any thought to distribution or what you'd do with it after you made the film or anything like that? Or were you just kind of like, just get, get some money, make the film and then see what we do with it later? Yeah. We just kind of wanted to have fun with it. We just, we wanted to make it, we, we knew that we could put it, put it on Amazon. We knew that was an option available to us. And we figured, Oh, we'll do that. Maybe some other people will watch it. Uh, maybe we'll put it on YouTube at one point. We, we re- weren't really thinking much of it until. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, sort of like some background because we started using like Prime Video Direct. I'm sure you're familiar with it mm-hmm. sure. in, I think, 2019. And like the first film we put on there was like this 30 second John Wick parody film <laughs> that I made in like an afternoon in like sophomore year of high school. Like it's not very good. It's kind of goofy. Johnny Wick. put it up. Yeah, it's called Johnny Wick. Johnny and Wick. So, <laughs> it's cool. Um, people like found it when they were searching for John Wick and would buy it. And it got like 100,000 <laughs> streams on Prime. And like, I was like, wow, you know, oh. like, this is great. And now Prime Video Direct doesn't take short films anymore. And yeah. I like to think that Johnny Wick is the reason for that. Um, <laughs> because there were like these like amateur high school films being put right. on. And yeah, I mean, it made hundreds like a, of dollars, but yeah. Yeah. There was a there was a period of time where like if you search John Wick on Amazon, it would go John Wick one, John Wick two, John Wick three, and then it'd be Johnny Wick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Was it I mean, did it build off of of the John Wick story enough that if like, you know, the studio that made John Wick had actually gotten word of it, they might have started coming down on you, or was it distinct um, enough it that it like, didn't matter? Yeah. It was like a parody. It was like, yeah. what if John Wick was in high school, but like right. we never actually used anyone's name or anything. Okay. Um, so I think I, we would have been fine, but. Yeah. I think parody is protected under like fair use laws and stuff anyway. Like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, yeah I'm not sure that they could have done anything anyway. So, but anyway, yeah, that's fun. That's super, super fun to have something like kind of get an unexpected sort of viral spread like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you don't mind mind my, my asking, uh, you know, feel free to decline, but, but what, what ended up being the approximate like production budget of say, is I'm sorry, is it Satan's servant singular or mm-hmm. servants plural? I can't Satan's can't servant. Yeah. Singular, so we made sorry. that yeah. for $2,000, okay. which seemed like the like biggest amount of money to us like, when we were making it. <laughs> I'd like to say it looks more expensive than that just because like we were using as like the script was written to like accommodate exactly what we had access to already. Right. So we were just trying to like minimize additional expenses yeah and yeah it's just like i mean that i've seen it so like the houses that you used and stuff were just houses of friends that kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah. both of our houses like prominently featured (laughs) yeah right it it helped a lot because my dad he uh does sound mixing as his job and so he was able to get us like recording equipment and stuff we could use on set and that that helped a lot for the production value yeah, I will say that the sound was definitely like was really good for a you know kind of a, a really really low budget film at that level. I kind of in particular noticed that as like, oh wow, these guys did a really good job with sound. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can see where that <laughs> that went. But and did you did you pay any crew or actors or anything like that, or was it all just kind of just help out for fun that kind of thing? Yeah, so sort of our pay structure, which we've kept for like our following films, is. Um, we, I don't think we paid anyone upfront, but what we did, we sort of did like an equity thing where like for every dollar this film makes, we're going to like split it up amongst like all the key casting crew. So mm-hmm. for like the first like year after, like every like three months or so I'd send everyone a Venmo with like whatever portion of the earnings right. they got. And so that way, like we weren't paying them, but like, we're very clear. Like if we make money, you'll be making money too. Okay. And so, 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I I think that's like really important and a, and a great thing to do for for a film at that level where you're not really paying anybody up front, but you know, you don't want to like, you don't want it to like take off and you're all successful with it or whatever. And nobody else is benefiting all these people that did work for you for free. They're not benefiting, you know? So exactly. uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to approach things that way. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a small enough crew that like, yeah. it just felt right. Like everyone was pulling in a lot of weight into yeah. it uh, mm-hmm. because like, I think it, it was like less than 20 people total that like worked on the whole project. So, right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super cool. Fun stuff. So, yeah. So, so, oh, and can I ask you like uh, this information might have, you might've said this in an email or I'm sure it's available online or whatever, but, but just for our conversation, what roles did you go? Is one of you director, one of you producer, that kind of thing, or. So we're both directors. I was writer and then we were both producers. And like, we also did like a ton of other jobs, including editing and stuff. And we just kind of teamed up on basically all the roles except writing like like the like because jack he he kind of you wrote it and you were just like i have a feature idea like let's yeah. do it so right okay cool. Um, yeah everything else we kind of just do together yeah so any any kind of stories that you want to tell about production or post-production or anything like that before we kind of talk get more into more detail about distribution <laughs> I remember uh, it was you. You've seen the film and uh, yeah. filming it. Uh, it's most of it is outside, right. and unfortunately, we were filming it in February and March, which are notoriously cold months. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that w- that was a struggle, especially uh, when it gets really messy towards the end of the film. Mm. I <laughs> every, every time I talk to the people that worked on the film i'm always like thank you so much because they like <laughs> like the like they like everyone was just like shivering so much especially yeah. uh, uh jojo who played uh, who uh like jane in the film mm-hmm. uh, she she did a lot and she she was like most of the people in the project were just people we knew people from high school except for jojo who played jane and then uh, emily who played miss booker Mm-hmm. Um, they were people we found online and they, uh, were oh, interested cool. in the project and wanted to help out. I believe they're, you know, they're both situated in Oakland, so they weren't too far from us, mm-hmm. but right. they came over and, uh, we all uh, grew very close and, uh, they're a huge help. On yeah. Really. Cool. So how long did it take you to kind of, once you shot it, uh, well, first of all, how long, how long did it take you to shoot it? Yeah. So we filmed it on the weekends for about two months. I believe we had like 14 total days of production, but like spread Mm -hmm. out over a while. Yeah. And yeah, we're just filming like it was only like usually like five to six hour shoots at night because we didn't want to go past midnight Mm -hmm. and it didn't get dark till like five or six. So we had like pretty short shoots in general, um, but it was definitely taxing because me personally, I'm not a night person. (laughs) And so it was definitely a lot of long nights, but it was a good time. Yep. Yep. I mean, that you have to, if you're going to make a film like that, you have to just mm-hmm. accept yeah. fatigue, accept getting tired, accept getting, you know, exhausted and just push through it, you know? And that's mm-hmm. in the end, that's yeah. kind of, I think, part of the fun of it, you know? Totally. I, I think the longest, the, the longest day was definitely the last one where I think, I don't even remember we we're up really late because we, we saved the finale for the very last bit and we wanted to do the kind of the final battle i guess if you want to call it that yeah. in one day because we didn't want to have to you know have continuity get comp- complicated so right that i remember that took a long time and the actors were so tired yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> 
That's yeah, I know. Like after we wrapped that day, because we were filming that at my house and it was like 3 a.m. Everyone else had gone. I was like hosing down my like front yard to get all the fake blood off of it. And then the <laughs> cops pulled up. Oh, God. And I just had to like wave at them because we'd like mentioned because we we're like filming like sort of like a small town. At, like I just like went to the cops. And I was like, hey, we're going to be filming a horror movie. Um, if you hear any screaming or stuff, like it's just us. Smart of you to do and, that, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it was still like a little scary just seeing the cops pull up as I'm like hosing away fake blood. But luckily, they didn't think too much of it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. We had avoided the cops because I mean, we only we had. I mean, it was just all at our like all at like you know locations that were like private properties, except yeah. like except the school that we shot at. But we got like since we were like still at high school, like in the district, we were able to like get like a permit for mm-hmm. free to film there which is really cool yeah but our only other thing was like the noise because we were being really loud and like <laughs> it was just really funny that the cops came at literally the last moment of filming mm-hmm. right right did they give you any trouble or was it just they're just kind of checking it out making sure everything's okay no they, no. they just kind of wanted to see what was happening mm-hmm. yeah right so they didn't they're, those particular cops hadn't been informed of of this particular uh, you know, because you said you went you went to the police and told them that you were doing mm-hmm. this, but these particular like patrol cops or whatever hadn't gotten the message or something. I don't think so. But yeah, they no, like, uh, asked me a couple of questions and like, OK, have a good night. They're probably uh, probably bored. You know, yeah. like what else? Have they got they, to yeah, do? yeah, they have yeah. nothing to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well justify our paycheck for mm-hmm. a few minutes. Right. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And then post-production, what was post-production like? Post-production was weird because. Yeah. It was still like during COVID. So like, I remember like Ethan would like come over and we'd like edit in my front yard because like we didn't want to like get each other sick and stuff. Oh man, um, right, like Max, but, it was it was weird. Um, oh, such weird times. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it was a little bizarre, but overall, I think I feel like it went pretty smoothly. Like Ethan's dad was our sound editor and sound mixer on it, which was again a huge help. But yeah, I feel like we did it pretty quickly, right, Ethan? Yeah, I mean, we finished when we finished shooting like end of March, and then we kind of I think we had the film finished by sometime in June. I want to say so. Is that like twenty twenty one? No, all twenty or what? Oh yeah, it was twenty 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 one. Right, yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of before vaccination, right? So so uh, yeah, I'm, you're mm-hmm. you're just working outside. Are you like is everybody masked? Who's off camera? That kind of thing. Uh, like when you're when you're shooting, mm-hmm. those kind of conditions. Yeah, yeah. We we had a lot of COVID protocols in place to make sure everyone was like safe and comfortable. And no, oh. the only I think our uh, JoJo, our actress for Jane, she was the only one that had a vaccine because she was. Uh, I think she worked at like a coffee shop. And she, was, she was like an essential worker, so she was able to get okay. it before everyone else. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But the rest of us were not vaccinated yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Be super safe. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But yeah, I love the image of, mm-hmm. of you guys, like both out in your yard, like editing, you know, what, staying <laughs> six feet apart, like on mm-hmm. lawn chairs or something like that. Yeah. Lap, laptops in I front remember, of you. Yeah. There's like <laughs> mosquitoes image. and stuff. It was, it was weird. Um, <laughs> yep. yep. Such weird times. Uh, all right. So then what happened? Like once you got it, once you got it done, you got it edited, you got your father to do some mixing, editing, sound editing mm-hmm. on it, that kind of thing. What what happened with it next? Did you just kind of put it online? Did you try to enter it into festivals? Mm-hmm. You know, what was your what was your strategy then for getting it out there, getting people to see it? I would say um, we I think after 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 here, I want to say after hearing it with the music that our friend Sean did, he, Sean plays Tyler in the film and he right. also did the music for it. We we were very happy with how how it turned out, and we wanted yeah. to submit it 
two festivals, but we didn't really have much money left. So I think mm-hmm. I think yeah. we only tr- submitted it to one festival. I think. Well, yeah. So our thinking was we really wanted to get the film out before we left for college because again like we were sort of thinking like oh this is going to be like a hit in like our hometown and then we can have like the whole casting crew go out to their colleges and advertise it there that was sort of like our marketing (laughs) strategy um so we're like there's this one festival i don't think we should say its name that um it's like a genre fest that seems to show like our scale of film that we can submit to and would happen before we left for college and so we like sent them like a super nice email and they gave us like a discounted submission fee Mm-hmm. but then like after we submitted it like they kept like passing their notification deadline and like delaying it until the point where like it would have premiered like after we left for college anyway oh, and then they rejected us so oh. that that's what happens when you submit to one festival but so it wasn't like a huge um letdown to us i remember because again we sort of just saw this as like oh this is just gonna be like a hit and sort of like our local area like i don't know why anyone aside from like our friends and family would watch it yeah but that said we did like compile like a massive list of like people who like we sort of admired in like the industry and like film critics and stuff we wanted to send it to so like it was a lot of local critics also a lot of like people who like specialized in horror Uh i feel like we sent out like at least like 50 emails ethan what do you think yeah we sent out a lot a lot of people i don't even remember how many of those people responded but i know a lot of people saw it because we got mm-hmm. i mean I th- i'd say the big thing was um yeah i mean i think one we got one response um basically yeah I'd, yeah it was, it was a yeah. good response um, oh that's good <laughs> i i sent it to fangoria got no response uh-huh. and then i managed to guess phil nobile jr the editor of fangoria's like personal email <laughs> and got it right to him and oh man i remember i was like working as like a summer camp counselor that summer i like checked my phone and i see him saying like popping some popcorn i'm um, gonna sit down and watch your movie like right now and <laughs> i like sent it to ethan we were freaking out and then he like <laughs> tweets so about cool. it that he was like there's this like two thousand dollar film made by high school students that like knocked my socks off or something and oh wow yeah so basically our main source of like promotion ended up being through phil and like fangoria who ended up like writing an article about us Uh um and so that's sort of like how we broke out into like the larger horror space and so we didn't get any festivals or anything we ended up distributing mainly through prime video direct but also film hub but like that was like our main marketing um, we had one uh screening that we set up back home at a local theater that is Mm -hmm. sadly not there anymore Oh, that's too um, bad. Yeah, in Berkeley, but that was really fun. We like that was it was really nice because uh, we just it was we just sold tickets. We gave uh, you know a chance of people that donated to like see it in a bit on a big screen, which is really fun. And we filled mm-hmm. up the theater, and it was really nice. The owners yeah. were super friendly, and we definitely helped out their business, yeah. especially at the time. Mm-hmm. But that was yeah, that was a lot of fun seeing everyone. Yeah. And did you have sort of like a, a revenue split arrangement with them, or you know, how did how did that work? I believe we fully like rented out the theater because oh, okay. um, yeah. we were like handling ticket sales ourselves since mm-hmm. we had like so many that we had to like give out because of our fundraiser and stuff. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think it worked out for everyone involved because that was like, I feel like the first time I'd like been in like a pretty full theater like since mm-hmm. COVID. And yeah. yeah, no, that was like one of the best movie going experiences of my life, if I do say so myself. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, that was, that was really cool. And just finally showing everyone what I've been like talking about yeah. <laughs> for the past, you know, year or over mm-hmm. a year at that point. We premiered it, I think it was in August. Yeah. It was right before we left. Uh, it was really fun. Yeah, cool. And, and of course, just like being able to see your movie up on the big screen, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, not that's harder and harder to do these days. It's harder and harder to get that sort of like joy and satisfaction of seeing it on the big screen. So without totally. without paying for it anyway. So, you know, whether you pay for it or not, I think it's 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 great to once you get a movie done to be able to get it up there and see it like that. So, yeah, cool. So I'm curious, like, so b- before you got written up by Fangoria, did you have it on on Prime Video Direct at that point, or were you still kind of holding it back and limiting its viewership to select people, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I think it was at like the same time, right? Yeah, because we were like emailing it out to critics and stuff in advance of our release. Um, okay. So we released it in like mid August, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think Phil saw it in like late July, early August around then. So it worked out really well for us in terms of timing. Um, okay. Uh, and then once you got written up, did you see like kind of a big bump in, in viewership or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was yeah. definitely a big bump in viewership. And in addition, I think even more so, there was just like a big bump in like online interaction with the film. Like a lot oh, cool. more people were talking about it um, just mm-hmm. like because of the article. Yeah, no, like it was getting like shared all over for like a day. And it, it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, especially since like we'd gone in like not really expecting to like break out much with it. Right. And so it was definitely yeah. super surreal. Yeah, it, I just remember it just like so many people I did not know just started following like our like movie account, uh, like our personal accounts. Like mm-hmm. it was, it it was very strange, but it was yeah, very cool that a lot of people were watching it. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially like I, I mean, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm characterizing this right, that you've never really, this movie was always just kind of meant to be kind of a fun thing to do for family and friends. You never really had that much ambition necessarily of it being a huge breakout success and sharing with a big wide audience and any, any you know, or anything like that. I mean, it's always mm-hmm. any filmmaker, it's always in the back of their mind. Right. But, yeah. um, but I don't think that you were like totally fixated on that as a goal. Is that, does that seem accurate? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think definitely like once we finished the film, because the film's also like significantly better than like most of the short films, if not all the short films we'd made. It's so, like, right. I think once we That's saw, cool. we're like, okay, like this film is like definitely like a big step up for us. So like, maybe we can try to get it out there more, okay. but yeah, like we still like weren't expecting anything like that, which was right. Right. Neat, so, yeah. uh, and, and it was only on prime video direct at that point, no other mm-hmm. platforms. Um, yeah. so, so had you not yeah. gone to film hub yet at that point or had you, I believe at that point, we were either here. I can actually pull up my film hub dashboard. I think at that point, so we submitted to film hub in on July 3rd of August, 2020 or of 2021. So yeah. we'd submitted to them, but like, I don't think we'd gotten on many platforms at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there were like a couple that no one had ever heard of, but at that point, this was our first time using film hub and like, it hadn't really done anything big for us at that point. Right. How long did it take from when you submitted it to when it actually got onto platforms? Um, the first platform was like at our initial release, which was like a month later. And it's then not too bad. But like we didn't get on a second platform until December. So mm-hmm. that was like five months later. And yeah, at this point, we're on like six platforms. But the big one came in February of 2022 when like sort of like interest had begun waning in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it got on Tubi. And that was like a massive yeah. surge for us because um, 
Tubi pays like so much better than the other streaming services yeah. and it just has a massive audience. So there were a few months there we were making off quite nicely. Oh, that's really yeah. that's really nice. And that was just getting it on Tubi was just a matter of Film Hub actually finally getting it there, or was there mm-hmm. something else that you did to get it on Tubi at that point? I don't think so. I think Film Hub uh, we sort of sat back and let Film Hub do its thing. And I, I remember okay. like I just like refreshed one day and then Tubi popped up and we were all like very oh, wow. excited about that. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've heard like, I've, I've never used film hub myself, but just you're watching like Facebook groups and stuff like that. I see people, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how long should I expect when I submit to film hub for my movie? And some people, it seems like it takes a long time and some people, it doesn't take as much. It seems kind of inconsistent and all over the map. Um, mm-hmm. And for, yeah, from what I'm hearing from you, like it took like a month to get it on, you know, onto, yeah. you know, but then it took many more months to get it on Tubi. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So is there, is there like a, is there a curating process at Tubi? Like, is there somebody that's making decisions about whether movies play there or not? And you had to film hub had to get you through that curating process or. Yeah. Just... I th- the way I understand it works is like, so you submit to film hub and then you're like part of their catalog. Uh-huh. And then they sort of like send that catalog off to streamers and streamers will like pick from that catalog. Like I want oh. all these films. And it's sort of like a slow process just because there's like so many middlemen and stuff. But yeah, no, yeah. I guess we got lucky. Although Tubi doesn't seem to be the most selective streaming service. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, But I mean, it's more selective. If it's selective at all, it's more selective than like Prime Video Direct, right? Because that's yeah. just anybody can put anything on Prime Video Direct. So, mm-hmm. you know, at least there's that kind of level of you know, ad- admission to it or something. But before you, before you hit Tubi, you know, you're on Prime Video Direct. Are you seeing any significant income from that at all? Or is it really just nothing or a tiny trickle or what? Not really. We definitely got like a pretty good like bump right at the beginning because mm-hmm. originally we were just TVOD, so like transaction. Mm-hmm. We made like a few hundred bucks from that, which was cool. But then after a while, we put it on like SVOD subscription and there was another bump there. But like, again, sort of like interest waned after like a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, if you just like look at the earnings, it's just like a big like wave, like whenever something new happens or like, yeah, but yeah, it, it was like fine. Like, again, like we weren't expecting to make much money from this. And like, mm-hmm. since we kept costs low, like anything was like really exciting to us, I think. Yeah, for sure. It, like, sorry, go ahead, Ethan. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think the funniest, like way of like getting attention was that we put our film on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. the like, film social media uh, uh app and it was kind of funny because uh, towards the end of 2021 you'd see all like these people come by a like list of like every movie you release this year and because ours like a feature film people would include our film and so we got like a lot of people watching it because of that because like people would like automatically look at every single film release and make like compile these lists of it so people would like catch their eye and like we just get a lot of random people huh. being like oh i found this film and you know, some people are like what is this crap? And some people be like, oh, this is really cool. These high schoolers did that. Right, right. That's cool. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, for sure. Is there is there anything, I haven't really used Letterboxd either. Is there anything you have to go through to get it on Letterboxd or how does that work? Yeah, you just put the movie on TMDB, which is like basically IMDB, and okay. then it shows up on Letterboxd a few days later. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, talk a little bit more about the bump at Tubi. Was that, was there anything that you were doing from a promotional perspective that caused that bump? Or was it just the fact that it got mm -hmm. on Tubi and it has like a whole new audience or whatever that can find it? It probably shows up as, you know, some mm -hmm. new content or something like that. So did that just kind of happen or did, or did you put any effort into trying to milk that a little bit more? Yeah, I think we definitely milked it because like horror fans in general love Tubi and like mm -hmm. it's sort of like, you know, like the sacred place where like you've seen like some of the most like random movies of all time. So I know we were definitely like, on Twitter being like, our movies on Tubi, this is like the coolest thing ever. And oh. then we were definitely able to get like a bit more attention because at that point we sort of had like, I'm not sure exactly what the right word is, but almost like advocates who are just like random people on Twitter who like enjoyed the movie. And like whenever we tweeted about it, we just like sort of boosted out to their larger audience. And so they would all like help us sort of like share the message like it was on Tubi. And so I think that definitely helped with the bump. Yeah, that's super cool. If you can feel free to decline this if you want, um, but I am curious about numbers, uh, you know, kind of actual numbers. If you mm -hmm. can comment like on numbers you pulled in before Tubi, numbers you pulled in after Tubi and, you know, how close maybe you have come to covering, you know, what you initially spent on the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we, um, let's see, I'm pulling up my spreadsheet <laughs> of grosses. Um, awesome. Getting the yeah. data straight from the, straight from the spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some interesting numbers here. So first of all, the film costs like about $2,000, although uh -huh. technically we were sort of like in the profit immediately because it was just all crowdfunded. So like anything right. on top of that was just like going right into our pockets. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, the film has grossed $2,100, which like isn't the most, but at the same time, it's just like passive income coming into our pockets at this point. And it's an interesting split because it's about 500 from Amazon, 500 from Tubi. And then the other sources that we haven't really mentioned yet was one, we also sold t-shirts oh. that were like had designs based on the film from the incredible studio house designs who was gracious enough to make a design for us because they liked the movie. Oh, cool. Uh, and so that was like one huge way to like sort of monetize the film. And then we also printed our own DVDs of it mm -hmm. and sold them to like friends and family. And we also went to Midsummer Scream and which is like a horror convention. And we were selling the DVDs there. Oh, awesome. Um, and yeah, no, that, that was a super fun process because that was sort of like very like hands-on, like literal self-distribution where I had like a little thing just encoding all the DVDs and then we'd put them in cases and send yeah. them out. Awesome. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard like here and there that uh, even though there's sort of a kind of a general overall feeling that DVDs are kind of dead, that for like, you know, actually in the kind of low budget filmmaking space, and I think in particular the genre space, like there are still people out there that want DVDs of these like quirky little, you know, movies that you can't get if you go into Walmart and buy a DVD there or whatever, you know, like these kind of special to order DVDs. And so there's still, I think, a market for, you know, in indie filmmakers working at, at a really low budget level to just, you know, and DVDs are, you know, once you get the right equipment or, or mm -hmm. you know, go to the right company, DVDs are super cheap to print. And then once you do that, then you can you sell them 20 bucks pop or whatever, and you can actually make exactly. you know, pretty decent money from doing that. So, yeah, sounds sounds pretty good. What about the T-shirts? Did you just tell the, sell the T-shirts like on your website or uh, how did that work? Yeah, we sold them on our website. We did sort of like a pre-order thing where like people could order them in advance. And then from that, we like ordered 
like a few extra shirts in addition to that. So we did like mostly pre-orders, which like guaranteed profit. And then we yeah. sort of like kept the rest as stock and sold. I think we sold out of them at the premiere screening that Ethan was talking yeah. about earlier. Um, yeah, and, everyone and, wanted a t-shirt. So, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I think at least my biggest regret with the film is that we didn't like print more t-shirts because it's oh. like such an awesome design. And like, I think if yeah. we just had more on hand, we definitely could have sold more of those. Yeah. Yeah. studio studio house was really nice because like we asked them if they could do a design for us and they did mm-hmm. uh and uh at no really cost cool. then, yeah at no cost and okay, uh, cool. just because you know we sent them an early version of the film and they really enjoyed it and right. then you know they helped promote our film on their social media which was really helpful and brought mm-hmm. a lot of people to us because they yeah. thought the shirt looked cool but yeah, I definitely, I definitely wish like Jack that we had done more T-shirts because that's what everyone kept asking about. Yeah, I remember I, I, I have a friend who uh, goes to school uh, up in Northern California. I remember they said that they saw someone wearing a shirt once, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a random person we didn't know. Yeah, totally. So, uh, so after the kind of the two B bump, was there anything else after that? Any more bumps? Any more kind of revenue streams that came in after that? Let's see. I'm looking at it right now. And what you're looking at is like your own personal spreadsheet or are you looking at yeah, the dashboard? Yeah, I just have a okay. spreadsheet where I right, track all right. the film's earnings. Oh, and I was um, going to say, before, before it slips my mind, like, you know, I know you got it from crowdfunding, but you said the budget was $2,000 and you said your total revenue has been over $2,000, you know, so even though that's not your money that you're making back, still, you can say mm-hmm. the movie's in the black, like the movie yeah. has made a profit, you know, which is yeah. pretty, pretty mm-hmm. awesome to be able to say. <laughs> not many filmmakers yeah. can say that, you know, so I mean, yeah, it certainly no. helps that it only costs $2,000, but still, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a fun thing to to be able to say. So, you know, congratulations on making oh, your money you. back on the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wanted to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> so the next sort of bump, which I think um, we can talk more about, came when we started crowdfunding for our next film, which is Welcome oh. Week, which we're okay. currently really, really close to wrapping up post on. Um, oh, cool. Congrats on that. Really exciting. Yeah, it's sort of like a college-themed horror anthology where uh-huh. we like teamed up with a lot of the people we met while distributing Satan Servant. Um mm-hmm. Who were like other like college students who liked horror movies and wanted to make them yeah so like when we started like crowdfunding for that film there was definitely like another bump in um sales for uh, for satan servant which oh, cool. was really cool and yeah i think that's part of the reason why like self-distribution really resonated with us is because we feel like as we like continue to like grow as filmmakers and like make more films like people will keep coming back to satan servant and be like oh that's where it all started and so like retaining ownership of that and like retaining control of it feels like, you know, even if it's like not making the most right now, like it'll just it'll only keep making more money. And yeah. so um, we sort of just want to like keep that growth going. Yeah, for sure. And it'll always be there. I mean, you already said this, but just to reiterate, like you have total ownership. So every mm-hmm. dollar that it makes will come back to you and won't go, you know, 99 cents of it go into somebody else's pocket and only one cent goes into your pocket. So, yeah, I think that's a uh, maybe not talked enough about benefit of self-distribution is not the immediate like revenue that you get when you go through the big push after you finish it and all that stuff, but just that trickle of income that you might get like, you know, as your career develops and as you make bigger and bigger films, maybe, or, you know, maybe your third film is a huge breakout success, but then people start watching your first film because your third film was a breakout success. And, you know, if you've lost ownership of that to some distributor, then, you know, you don't really get to benefit from that. But if you keep ownership, then you get that money, you know, so that's that's pretty cool yeah and also in the case that it being like our first 
feature film. It's very like special to us. You know, it was a very yeah. special you know, project that we worked on for so long that like I would hate to like hand it off to like someone else and like not have control over it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I appreciate that as well. Like framing it, not just in terms of financial ownership, but in terms of sort of emotional ownership as well. You know, I totally. think that's, that's really important. And as, as a filmmaker myself is, I think one of the, one of the appeals to me about self-distribution is like, this is mine. This is not somebody else's film. This is my film. So why do I, whoops, why do I give up the rights of this film, you know, to somebody else when it's mine, it's mine that sweated and cried and, you know, lost blood over making this movie, you know, like it's mine. So I should keep ownership of it. Um, so, and, and, you know, I think that like distributors take advantage of the fact that you don't want to deal with the work that's associated with that ownership, but they take too much from it. They take too much ownership away from you, you know, to be able to, mm -hmm. to get them to do that. So, yeah. So was that always like a choice that you knew you were going to make from day one, or did you have it in your mind at some point, you know, to, you know, make this great film and get it into festivals and get discovered and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that filmmakers I know dream about a lot, but happens rarely did was, did that dream ever get to you and, and you were kind of hoping for that level of success or was it always a plan to just self-distribute the way you did? We definitely looked into distributors for a bit, but they were just like a bit out of our league for lack mm -hmm. of a better term mm -hmm. or um they just like didn't seem like a great fit or like they seemed like we'd heard like mixed things online about them and so we didn't really want to like risk it mm -hmm. um i remember though when we were like a few weeks before we were releasing we got an email from like this one distributor who seemed like pretty legit who was like interested in our film but we like mentioned we were planning on like releasing it in like two weeks and they're like oh yeah never mind but let us know wow. about your next film hmm. um so there was definitely like we probably didn't give it like enough consideration given how big of like a choice it was but i think like for our scale of film self-distribution like made the most sense and so like that was our plan at the beginning we looked at other options around the middle, but in the end, we just stuck with our guns on this one. Were, were you approached by any of those not so legitimate distributors? Did you get those emails like, you know, I'll distribute it for film. Just give me $5,000 up front and that, that kind of thing. Did you run into any of that stuff? I don't believe so. I can check like my spam folder on my yeah. email. Um, <laughs> right. But I think in general, like since we didn't really play any festivals beforehand yeah. and like hadn't made any other features, like we were sort of like under the radar until like we started getting a bit of buzz, like right before release through like right. the Fangoria stuff, um, which was cool. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I remember what my last feature film was two decades ago, but I remember like, and I, played many festivals with it. And I remember I got those emails, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I did, I did get a few legitimate distribution emails and ultimately went with one, but mostly I got these emails that are just like, they're obviously just looking for upfront money. And, you know, there's just no, you have no confidence that they're actually going to do anything with your film for that money. So, you know, it was a thing that I knew very well to avoid, but unfortunately I think some filmmakers don't, you know, they get suckered into it. So anyway, so yeah, talk about uh, your next film venture then. Uh, are you kind of upping the budget level? You know, what's your, what's your kind of approach to that? And are, are you also thinking of self-distributing or are you, are you thinking about kind of a more like, uh, yeah, I don't want to say serious that, that makes it sound bad, but you know, a, a, a more aggressive approach to trying to get, you know, some kind of distribution deal and get it put out there. Um, you know, can you comment on that at all? Yeah. You want to go ahead, Ethan? 
Sure, I'll take it. Our yeah, our next project because we, you know, after saying servant, we kind of wanted to get going on like mm-hmm. another one because we had so much fun. But we we're also we're in college, uh, and so we we're like we don't have the freedom that we had before to like all the time that we had to prepare. So our thought process was like, what's like a you know feature like a feature film that you can do where like you know you don't have to put in the effort of a feature film, and we've settled on we can make an anthology film and then we can like have each section of the anthology be done by like different people that we've like met, you know, through Satan's servant that we've uh, grown to know. And so it, we basically welcome week is this horror anthology project where you follow two roommates uh, and through a night of horror shenanigans, uh, as one of the roommates explains uh, four uh, horror shorts to the other about how his uh, siblings died in their first week of college. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and I think one of the first things, or sort of something connecting back to Satan's Servant, but like another way that's paid off for us is because like when we were doing the crowdfunding campaign for Welcome Week, like a lot of those people who enjoyed Satan's Servant and had like advocated for it, then also like donated to our crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. And so like that sort of just like kept paying off in like so many different ways. Yeah, so I think we ended up raising around $15,000 for our second film. Um, So it's definitely a step up, although it's like divided amongst like five short films. But yeah, we're definitely, definitely a step up, although it still has like a lot of the charm of like Satan Servant and like a lot of like that no budget energy. And then in terms of like what our plans are for distributing it and what we want to do, I think first we just want to like have like some patience and like really give it time to like do a full festival run that Satan servant wasn't able to do. So yeah, like right now we're doing a lot of research into which festivals we want to approach. And then from there, I think we're still sort of split. Obviously if we get like a good distribution offer, we'll probably go for it. But if we don't, you know, I could definitely see us self-distributing this one with a similar, but like, revised method from um satan servant yeah, yeah sorry what was that ethan oh i just said it definitely was not off the table self-distribution right. yeah 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 do you plan on this time around maybe having a little bit of a marketing budget to go with self-distribution or like are you thinking in in, in those terms at all so we tested out a few things with marketing for satan servant and like mm-hmm. we got like instagram ads did some other stuff like that and Obviously, like we tested out in like super small quantities because um, mm-hmm. like we didn't have a huge budget and we didn't find any of it was like super effective. I feel like if we were going to do marketing, it would be like a little more like non-standard marketing techniques, like just like sort of like going out in public. And like I remember there there was like a day I was like handing out flyers and stuff <laughs> that had like QR codes and mm-hmm. I think stuff like that that has like a bit more of a personal touch, I think could work for like the types of films we're making yeah. where we can like really make that personal connection and like know that we're getting a bit better of a return on investment. Sure. Yeah. makes sense. Uh, you know, I think also like there's something to be said for, you know, you made a, you made a feature film in high school and now you're in college, you're making another feature film. Like there's, you know, there's, there's cachet with that, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, sort of like you could probably have a fair amount of success on like college campuses, you know, in, in your area, that kind of thing, like kind of going with that as your brand, you know, like we made this, we're, we're college students. We made this horror anthology feature. Like that seems like that would get a lot of attention at the kind of college level. So yeah. Th- Totally. Go ahead. 
Oh, that was going to say, yeah. I mean, we're both film majors. And so there's okay. a lot of people in the film, our film departments that know about Welcome Week and they just keep asking about it and want to see it. And so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of interest at our respective schools. And so that's really fun. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind kind of following up a little bit, you know, kind of going back in time a little bit to some more of those marketing efforts with Satan Servant, because you talked about like how you did some targeted ads and that kind of thing, and and those didn't work all that well for you. Like, did, how do you know they didn't work well for you? Like, what did you do to try to kind of track that and try to assess the uh, you know level of return you were getting for it? Not necessarily like pure financial return, but just how many people were actually watching the film based on those kinds of promotional efforts that you were or marketing efforts that you were doing. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of keep track of that? Yeah. So the easiest one to track was we advertised like directly to people's like fire stick TVs through Amazon. And um, that you could just tell, like, did this person like click through it? Like, I think I could pull up that dashboard and see, but like, you know, it would like tell us like the um, click through rate as well as like the, like, did this person go on to buy the film? And I think what we found was that like, it cost more to get someone to buy the film than if we just, um, like we were just losing money doing that. And it was like fairly clear through their statistics. Similarly, we also advertised through Instagram, I believe. And there, well, we tried a few different techniques. One, we had the um, link go directly to the Fangoria article about us. And we were like advertising to people who were like into Fangoria. And we figured that would work. Mm-hmm. And that one's again, that, that that one's pretty hard to track. So we don't really know how it paid off, but we didn't see like a massive spike in sales or anything. when we were trying that we also tried going directly to the amazon page but i don't think that many people watch amazon like on their phones um so that didn't seem super effective and we did a few that were going like to advertise our instagram page um where we'd be able to see a bit more of a direct correlation we definitely did get like some followers and stuff from that but it overall just didn't seem like a cost-effective strategy for us i was gonna say um i think our like interactions with people on Twitter were probably the most successful because we're like directly interacting with people there and uh, people would like, you know, retweet what we said or comment and then other people could see that. And I think Twitter was probably like one of the more effective ways of Mm -hmm. reaching a larger audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that, that at the kind of micro budget level that it's really important to maintain close connections with your audience, with your fan base, you know, like, like be there personally for them to interact with them and stuff like that, that will make them much more enthusiastic about watching your project and and watching your future projects as well, I think. So, you know, everything that you have done for Satan Servant will pay off for, sorry, Welcome Week, is that it? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for, for Welcome Week, you know, like that, that can, that can continue to sort of organically build. So, you know, I think it's great to, to be thinking about that. So do you have any kind of lessons that you learned from Satan Servant that you're going to take into how you distribute Welcome Week, things that you might do differently, you know, things that like you might try to improve upon that kind of thing? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway that um, was just not to rush it, because obviously with that one, we were like really set on releasing it before we left for college. And I Mm -hmm. do think like that still made sense for like the scale of film. But I do also see that it limited our opportunities and so like with welcome week like we don't even know like when we're going to release it even if like it's basically done at this point we just want to like give it time to breathe and like see like we we feel really proud of this film and like we think it's really solid so 
we want to give it time to like find its audience and then we'll release it. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Any like rough idea of when you're going to are you you're still in post-production, you said? I think or... literally it'll be finished tomorrow. Um, so. <laughs> wow. It's yeah, it's right around the corner from being done. Uh, we hope that we can have it, you know, in festivals this fall. That's kind of like a rough plan, but we just want to like try and see if we can get it to as many people as possible before we, you know, uh, put put it on Amazon or mm-hmm. Tubi or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so maybe taking taking your time before it's something that everybody can have access to online, just to kind of mm-hmm. see where it's mm-hmm. going to go in a more limited fashion. Yeah. So, any sort of advice for other filmmakers who are kind of falling in your footsteps, or you know, going going about making their own films? Any any words of wisdom to impart? Uh, take advantage of Twitter and interacting <laughs> with people on Twitter. Yeah, although Twitter's you know Twitter's mm-hmm. on shaky ground these days, unfortunately. Twitter's on shaky ground, but. <laughs> People I don't still know. Use it, it. People, yeah. people still use it. And yeah. especially if you're doing a horror film, the mm-hmm. horror community on Twitter is they're they're very nice and they're very supportive of low budget filmmaking. You know what you're trying to do, I'd say like approaching it there and getting it to that audience is, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think Twitter is a good way of uh, doing that. Are you guys like on Twitter every day, like trying to interact with people and kind of push things forward or? I wish I had time for you're, that. You're college yeah. students, so yeah, maybe not, but I just thought I'd ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, there definitely was like a time where we were on Twitter a lot for Satan Servant, but now we've, you know, we're trying to finish Welcome Week, so. Yeah, 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 for sure. Totally makes sense. You can't do everything, so. But I will say that like once you actually get Welcome Week out there and you're starting to engage audiences again and be, you know, proactive about being promotional and stuff like that. As college students, you're going to have to figure out a way to <laughs> balance that busy college life with, you know, trying to get your film out there. You know, it's going to be hard work, I'm sure. We found a way so far. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I think, you know, as long as you enjoy the work, as long as it's uh, stuff that you enjoy doing, and I think you kind of have to, if you're going to go about it in that way, then uh, yeah, you, you definitely you can have all kinds of success, I think, as long as you enjoy the work and can devote some time to it. So. Cool. All right. Anything else? It's uh, we're, we're coming up on the hour mark here. So anything else uh, that you wanted to add? Anything that I didn't cover that you wanted to be able to talk about and anything like that? I mean, I think the one other thing that I'll just say from like a distribution perspective that has been like really impactful for me is I think just like as if you want to be a filmmaker, like you have to like get like really comfortable with putting your stuff out there and like whether that's like through YouTube or stuff like putting out short films through like Amazon prime is like a huge reason why, like I felt confident that like, if we made a feature, we could get some type of return on investment. So like Mm -hmm. just start putting your stuff out there, like as soon as you can, even if it's like not good, like so many of our short films are like totally garbage, but like it it was all a learning process. And so just like, as soon as you're putting your stuff out there, the better, because then you can like grow more as a creative. Kind of adding on to that, I know that I know there's a lot of people our age that are kind of, you know, think you just kind of like wait until you get in the industry and then you get that like you know multi million dollar film and that's when you do your first one. I I, I think you just have to kind of go out there and make stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 want to like you know the it's it's not a, like a strict you know linear path. Uh, you know you just have to go out there make stuff, experiment, figure out like what you like to make and you know we're, we're like i mean you know we don't we still don't know exactly like what our like voice 
in quotes uh, is, uh, but you know, we're having a lot of fun doing it and we hope to make more. And so I'd, I'd say just go out there and make stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. And, and I think, I mean, you're getting such a good early start, you know, uh, getting, you know, making your second feature in college and, uh, you know, most filmmakers I think are not even thinking about making their first feature by the time they graduate to college. So that's super cool. And, you know, also I think, you know, just to emphasize, you kind of, I think you guys do a great job of like recognizing like the level you, that you're at, you know, and not expecting too much of the world and not expecting too much of what's going to come of your efforts, um, you know, but that it's kind of a long haul. And, and, you know, your, your breakout film might not be your second film, might not be your third film, it might be your fifth film or your 10th film. I mean, who knows, you know, but if you just keep making films and, and kind of iterating, then, you know, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities that are, that are available if you just kind of keep at it. And it's just a matter of kind of growing organic to, like you said, you know, finding your voice. And, and once you find your voice, once you really have found that, then audiences will know it, you know, they'll see it. And so I think it's great to, to recognize that from the, from the ground up and just keep going with that kind of attitude. Yeah. So. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then lastly, if, if people want to get in touch with you or follow your work or see your films, you know, what's uh, what kind of uh, contact info do you want to leave? And I'll, I'll put them in the show notes as well. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Screenager Films. Um, and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Screenager Jack. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, follow the Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that should take you everywhere. You can follow my my personal on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I think it's edoggy, E-D-A-W-9-9-I-E on Instagram and then E-D-A-W-G-G-I-E on Twitter. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And, and one other thing that I wanted to say is, is just because I just remembered, like, just wanted to express my appreciation for you being like open and honest about real numbers. Um, uh, when I when I asked you about that, I think that's great information for other people to get. And, uh, you know, the longer I continue the podcast, the more I want to try to press to get that data actually out there so that people can mm -hmm. hear, you know, what they can expect for, you know, their level of returns or whatever, just to, just to hear the actual numbers behind the, those experiences and not just the stories themselves, I think is, is really valuable. So I appreciate you, you uh, indulging in, in sharing those numbers with the audience. So, yeah, of course. I remember when I was like researching like distribution for welcome week, like I was or for Satan servant, I was trying to find like real numbers online for like mm -hmm. co comparable films. And there's just so little information out yep. there. So yeah, no, happy to share it. Yeah, that's what this podcast is all about, I hope. So, yeah, sorry, Ethan, something to add? I was going to say thank you so much for having us on. It was oh, great sure. talking to you and uh, kind of talking about our process and how we did this film. Well, that's all for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Uh, that is the best way that you can help me grow the show and reach a wider audience of independent filmmakers and others who just want to try to understand this crazy, crazy world of independent film distribution. Uh, as always, feel free to contact me directly with any feedback, suggestions for the show, uh, people you'd like to see me interview, or even just to say hi. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at DarkRoseColin, uh, or you can email me at Colin at DarkRosePictures.com. Uh, that's C-O-L-I-N-1-L at DarkRosePictures.com. 
Uh, and by the way, darkrosepictures.com is my website for my feature and other projects. And yes, it is live. Um, it's a custom built website. I built it myself from the ground up, no WordPress or anything like that. Uh, and its purpose is not just to promote my films, but to tell the story with uh, full honesty and transparency of my own personal filmmaking journey. Uh, so if you want to follow the process of an independent filmmaker like myself from development to distribution, this is a great way to do that. Uh, it's a bit different from other websites that are out there, I hope, uh, with an emphasis on discussion and interactivity so fans can follow my work and communicate with me directly. So check it out, darkrosepictures.com. Anyway, that's probably more than enough of my own self-promotion. Uh, I want to thank Jesse Browder for his work on editing this podcast. I want to thank Jack McDermott and Ethan Gomez-Zonley for sharing their awesome story. Uh, I have more great guests lined up in the coming weeks uh, talking all things indie distribution. I am trying to get an episode out there for you every week, but I do admit it's sometimes hard with everything else I got going on. But I promise you, I will keep trying to get them out there as often as I can into the foreseeable future. So stay tuned, keep making movies, keep getting movies out there into the world, and thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.